You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 421. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the German Netflix post-apocalyptic series, Tribes of Europa. And I know it's not going to last forever, but I'm kind of digging these morning recordings. You know, I mean, nighttime, we both like to watch TV and Damn, I don't know what we're going to do once school starts because the Ravens have a ton of primetime games this season. Yeah, those are always a, a little tough, um, you know, because especially on the East Coast, they always start at like, you know, 8 o'clock and then they're done by like 11.30, sometimes midnight. And But, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Not watch it? Right. No, that's not going to happen. So, All right, because <laughs> we, we are in our Monday recording schedule at this point and generally if we go in the evening we go at eight and as you said the monday night games start at eight twenty. so uh we'll figure it we'll out if it happens out, yeah. so exactly um you know but other than that uh, it's been a good week around here and um you know summer's coming to an end you got your mask supply ready for school i'm sure <laughs> yeah yeah, that's oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This this uh, this Corona thing just doesn't doesn't want to go away. Nope, Ching. Uh, you know when when you and I were trying to figure out what we were going to do this time, and, and of course we're doing Tribes of Europa. I think one of the things we were talking about was Better Than Us, mm-hmm. which at the time I was saying, you know, it's eight episodes because of what we want to do next, dude. It's sixteen episodes. Is it that many? Yeah, oh. I started watching it. And actually, my wife is is really into it. So we're about halfway through. But, um, you know, Russian Netflix and, you know, it's a crime drama sort of masquerading as a moral ethical examination of the growth of AI and personal and work arenas. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I I really enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. So we're really digging it a lot. Um, I've also been looking for something non-genre related and you know going through netflix and and i see you know the description is some something like vikings meets last kingdom and it was talking about marco polo and i don't know if you've seen that or not i have not well let let me warn you away from it i I tried (laughs) to give it a chance and you know, I mean, the production values are really high, and but it's just like the guy playing Marco Polo, I, I just always see Iron Fist when I look at him. And you know how I felt about the actor that played Iron Fist, and maybe yeah. it was the writing. He was just doing what the directors no, wanted. I think most people felt the same way as you did. Yeah, right. Not but most, what but a I, lot. There's a lot of uh, people have like not enjoyed his performance. Yeah, so. yeah, but what I did pick up, and I'm about three episodes in, is also on Netflix, and it's called Roman Empire. And it's, it's sort of a hybrid uh, scripted drama and documentary so they intersperse you know the the experts with their commentary about that particular emperor it's pretty good i'm really enjoying it a lot so yeah uh, that's one i have i have had saved on my list for for a while and just haven't maybe i'll check it out then so anyway what do you got well uh just the other day was the theatrical and hbo release of I think it's The Suicide Squad, which is uh, James Gunn, who did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, had um, went back and and took on. Now, there was a 
Suicide Squad, the movie, the first movie came out, I think maybe five years ago, something like that. And it was, I mean, it was okay. But this one was absolutely fantastic. It was so good. Um, you know, up there really is as far as, um, in, in, in my estimations of superhero movies, uh, you know, DC and Marvel, both, uh, just really very good, very funny, you know, satiric tongue in cheek a lot of times. And, uh, you know, the, the action is pretty good, but, you know, always with this kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's it, it, I guess it, I like it for the same way I like Deadpool because a lot of the humor is just like this kind of messed up humor, you know. Um, they do something terrible and it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I like Suicide Squad. But while I am on HBO and talking about DC HBO productions, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out there. I don't know how this is, is going to go over with the general public, but I'm just going to kind of say it. And I'm not. Sh- I'm going to kind of qualify it. But I'm going to say that I think that the DC Universe television shows, and especially, well, I guess really there's only just the two of them, Doom Patrol and Titans. I'm going to go out there that they are better than the Marvel television productions wow that is a bold statement i'm throwing dude. that i'm throwing that out there dude. and now, and i i still haven't seen titans and i've had a lot of people including you tell me i need to check that out so i i'm we'll do that yeah i just i you know i put it off for a while because i, I don't know somewhere i thought i'd seen or heard that there was like you know people threw shade at it, said it wasn't that good and i just decided you know i'm gonna go ahead and watch it and i love it it is so good um, you know, in, in some places, cause again, you got, you know, your, uh, your, your criticism of some of the CW shows where it's just like a bunch of good looking young people being good looking young people. Um, I think sometimes it does kind of fall into that kind of soap opery type trap, but for the most part, it is just excellent. Um, and Doom Patrol, I've talked about before how incredible that was. So that, that is not to say that the Marvel shows are not good. They are great as well. But just I have been really impressed. So it's just funny because the, the DC movies, to my mind, and in the many people's minds, haven't really lived up to expectations. Well, of course, the Marvel movies have been you know absolutely amazing. Um, but yet in the, the television you know, category, I, I really think DC is definitely at least – up there with those other ones. If not, like I said, especially Doom Patrol, I think might might be even a little bit better than Titans and probably better than at least two of the three Marvel shows. So, again, my opinion, maybe. (laughs) Okay. Well, well, that sounds good. I mean, I've seen Doom Patrol and I liked it. I I won't say I loved it, but but I I did certainly enjoy that. So, uh, and and I'm not going to tell you anything specific now it's going to be a couple weeks before i throw this out there at you but i've got a bold suggestion slash offer for you oh okay and i'm just going to leave it at that and and, all right uh, all right i'm intrigued a couple of weeks okay because i'm i'm thinking i might want to do it on the air live so okay cool all right all right all right good well you want to get to some tribes of europa yeah might as well i mean that's what they're right expecting us after eight minutes to talk about <laughs> exactly except for scott he likes our opening band right. because he's not usually watching the shows we're talking about right, but episode right, right. two season one chapter two 
And, and one of the first things that, that strikes me uh, about this episode is how short it is, only 38 minutes. Yeah, it's super and short. A, yeah, and, and a lot of these foreign Netflix shows, you look at the episode and it says 48 minutes, and then it's done at 38, and it's like they've got a boatload of credits at the end. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you've got like, the, the number of people you've got working on this show would be more than the population of Delaware. <laughs> but um, the, all the episodes are r- relatively short. So what you've end up got in, in, in Tribes of Europa is like a four-hour movie or two two-hour movies, which, you know, for me, is fine. Yeah. This one was written as by as Benjamin Simon. As broke it up into 40-minute. Uh, That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, written by Benjamin Seiler, Jane Burbach, and Philip Koch, who also, they wrote episodes two through six together. Directed by Philip Koch, and as we said, it dropped on February 19th, 2021. So, you know, just a couple of points before we get into the, the main discussion. And, and Fred brings this up in his feedback, and I think it might have been one of his wife's comments. Why hasn't more technology been rebuilt? Because we're, you know, like 45, I forgot, I've got my notes somewhere, you know, 45 years after Black October, or I'm sorry, Black December. But it made me think about the show Revolution. Did you watch Revolution? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and in that, the, the premise was that there was a global blackout that basically returned society to you know the pre uh, almost the pre-industrial stage except uh, as i recall they did have steam engines working and at some point i think we had a scene where where there was a jet that flew overhead a fighter jet of some sort but it still begs the question for either show you know we've got the information there why haven't things been rebuilt? Like like Fred's wife, uh, I think, brought up the idea of of gasoline and and, and you know petrol in, in general for you know automobiles and and you know where are they getting it? Yeah. And again, I understand that that refining petroleum is a complicated process, but it's not like everybody that has that knowledge is dead. I wouldn't think. And you've got right. the you know the the means to rebuild so i i I guess i've got to believe that somewhere petroleum is being processed and and whether the different tribes are trading with each other because we do learn that the crimsons trade protection for goods Mm -hmm. so whether you know there's a an unnamed tribe out there somewhere producing petroleum and selling it don't know but well, yeah, th- th- I mean, that was a, a great point uh, that Fred and his wife brought up. And I actually did look up, like, where the oil reserves are in Europe, because especially if, you know, like, those pipelines are shut down, um, where do you get the oil from in the first place? And the answer for most of Europe is pretty much nowhere, like, because Russia is by far the, the has the, the largest number of oil reserves uh, I think there's some in Kazakhstan too, and then it really drops down after that. I think Norway is kind of up there, but their reserves are are much smaller. So, you know, part of the problem would be exactly where, you know, not just how do you produce the oil, but where would you get it from? Because you know, it, the, Europe mostly imports their oil from, like you know, I think Russia and the U.S. 
and uh, in the Middle East, right? So, sure. you know, literally, where would you find it would be a thing. But they do have cars that are running, um, not a lot, but, you know, enough. And when you see Moses here has his little van, like literally, where would you get the oil from, right? Uh, and then in addition to that, though, that that's a great point that – I mean, we just don't know what happened with Black December. I mean, um, you know, Fred brings up the point that if 90% of the population died, then there'd be loads of clothes around and things like that. But but I don't think we really get any indication that this, you know, quote, unquote, apocalypse that happened led to large-scale deaths, right? It just seemed to result in the breakdown of society and the decentralization of 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 governments and everything so um you know we haven't really heard anything about there being large-scale death there and everything uh, though i mean obviously there we, you would assume that something like you know like called black december would probably result in a number of deaths but so well, well like well, it could because what you're kind of talking about is some sort of viral catastrophe that would would kill that significant part of the population like in 12 monkeys for instance true right right yeah yeah well we don't know exactly what the the nature of the apocalypse was right and we see the results of it like 40 years later but we don't know like elia we don't know exactly what happened and so it's it's tough to 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 say what's going on or what's possible uh not knowing you know what happened, but but certainly the, the infrastructure for oil production and energy production, things like that, would still be there. We would assume, right? The factories would still be standing. The machines would still be there. Um, right. You know, like you said, maybe the problem is just not having the people who know how to run it, or you know, not having the the uh, the the resources to to. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you can just walk into a nuclear plant and flick a switch, and all of a sudden you got power, right? But but there is power. We we see uh, in in the this city, there's lights in the city, there's cars, there's you know industry. So you know, there's something that's going on. Well, well, right, and certainly we've learned over the past year or so that computers operate a lot of the you know this infrastructure. So if the internet came down then I would certainly think a lot of these industries would be paralyzed as well. The question again would be, well, why didn't you just do whatever it takes to get it back up again? So, you know, we, we will see, as you said, we haven't really learned that. I think Dave, you, you mention now it, you uh, mentioned the internet. I think I've, I know what happened here. It was TikTok. TikTok took down all of human society. Nothing good comes of social media. Right. So, Anyway, uh, you mentioned Elia, and you know he's a character that it's easy to dislike, at least for me. But you, you got to give Elia some credit. I mean, he is brave. He's on his own. He, he's, you know, protecting this cube. But I guess the question I have is, what makes him think the cube is broken and needs repair? Because all I remember seeing is is the pilot you know, putting it up to his own eye, which, you know, I guess activating it, holding it up to Elia's eye that, okay, you're the new user and sends him on his way. Yeah. It seemed to be working fine then. Right. Right. And we're watching him in, in, in the workshop trying to pry it open. I'm thinking like, dude, stop. What the <laughs> heck are you doing? Which then goes back to like, we were just talking about the, the, the technology. Well, obviously the Atlanteans 
have whatever's needed to power a hover jet. And I'm guessing that's not the only hover jet they have. Sure. So the, uh, the other thing about this episode and, and, you know, it really breaks down with the, the three siblings and we don't spend a whole lot of time with Keanu, but you know, in, in that segment too damn much walking with the prisoners and not enough action for, for my taste, given that you've only got six episodes and they're, short as we mentioned right um, but i think that's that's part of i mean you you can't not notice like the the holocaust overtones here in, in the holocaust oh gosh, imagery yeah. right it's it's Absolutely. everywhere you know and and so they're they're really playing that up um to to you know obviously equate the crows with like the ultimate evil here you know, like yes. we're not to feel any kind of sympathy for the crows. Like these guys are on level with the Nazis, you know. But, you know, there's like the prisoners, people being yelled at. They're, th- you know, just thrown randomly clothes, put these on. Um, people dying of poisonous gas. I mean, just there's so many things in there. And, like you know, like I said, I mean, I think, you know, obviously to, to really um, vilify the, those crows. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, let's go ahead and start with Liv's story because, you know, one of the the points that did strike me is the benefit of a military state versus the chaos because she's taken in by the Crimson Republic, which we learn has been in place for the last 28 years, which means there was 17 years of chaos, which, again, as I said last time, you know, I, I feel like th- these are very real possibilities for what we could face, you know, as a as a world community if we're not careful about certain things. But, you know, they knock her out at the end of the last episode, which reminded me of the episode in, in Dark when, uh, you know, Jonas finds himself in the future. You know, welcome to the future and then rifle butt to the forehead. Right, right, right. And yeah, as Fred mentions, there are definitely some parallels to dark intended or not but uh you talk about being tough we you know, we see her wake up and she's got a very nasty wound in her side she just rips off part of her clothing bandages up and it's like oh it's really really tough but but she hears voices grabs that crossbow and an arrow before heading into the forest and it's that lone crow i don't know you know again as Badly as she seemed to be wounded, and maybe it was the adrenaline in her, she seemed to get the drop on the crow fairly easily. Now, again, she did hit the crow with an arrow. Yeah, so. I mean, she shot her first. I imagine that did a lot to uh, giving her the tactical advantage in the fight. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it was great to see the crimson and, and be able to now place faces and wardrobes with this group that we've only heard about in the past and, and, and we're introduced to crimson commander david voss and he, a great scene where he talks her down from killing the crow and, and of course the crow and, and you know we we kind of suspect this as well but we get verification later on the crow's like finish what you started come on you, you know crows are not taken prisoner right and you know, on the one hand, I was thinking as we as we watch that prisoner in her cage, 
you know, why didn't they wash that black makeup off? Because, <laughs> I mean, we, underst- we understand why it's there, you know, to, to intimidate and frighten. Right, right. And not that she's frightening them, but I'm thinking, like, maybe that's why they don't do it, because who knows what she would do if they, you know, go in there and try to do it. So right. just throw, throw in the cage. Yeah, and, um, and, you know, well, and also, obviously, just, you know, as far as a directorial choice, it makes her look much more intimidating, daunting. Liv tries to deal with her and everything, so it makes Liv seem a little even more brave when we think of how dangerous this woman is, reminded of how dangerous she is, because she still has the, the black, um, you know, stuff across her face yeah yeah exactly and and i guess even more so because as we've talked about the origins don't have much experience fighting with the outside world that yes as we said maybe they did some training on their own and all of that but live really holds her own and again whether it's the adrenaline or, or whatever but they ask her about the cube were you surprised she Acts like no, no cube. No, because you know, Liv, unlike Elia, is you know has a little bit of smart. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like Elia, the first person he meets, he just whips it out. Like, hey, here's this cube. You know, like whereas uh, you know, Liv is clever enough to know that. Um, well, especially the the Crimson were uh, you know a bit eager to ask about it, right? Like they went there right away, like. You know, did you see a cube and everything? You know, like trying to play it off. Like, ah, you know, it's just like a, you know, a little cube. You didn't happen to see one. Not a big deal, you know, and everything. But she sees through that and understands that, you know, everyone wants this cube. And, and she also knows her brother has it. So, you know, if she says, oh, yeah, there was a cube, well, then there's going to be more questions that she's going to have to answer. Uh, best if she just denies ever, you know, knowing, you know, seeing anything about a cube. Um, pretending all they did was go and rescue the pilot. Of course, though, ultimately this is going to lead. They're going to realize when they don't find the cube there, if they found the pilot, they had to have found the cube. So, Yeah. And the other thing that I find interesting is Liv's level of distrust of the military because by all indications, the word on the street is that they do protect people from tribes like the crows so i'm not sure why she thinks that i mean on on the one hand i get that her tribe has retreated from technology whereas the military i mean certainly embraces it because the enemy may or may not have it so we need to certainly keep things at least on an equal footing but I, I guess it's a matter of trust so that she makes that decision to initially sit back and, and let's see what happens here. And again, her naivete, I, I guess, comes front and center when she says, look, just let me go. I'm going to go into uh, Braytock and, and get my family. <laughs> and they're like, uh, uh, no, no, you're not. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, the, you know, there's a couple things about the Crimson. You know, I, I think Liv is justifiably suspicious of them. As she points out, you know, it's like y- they're, they're not really in it for some altruistic reason, right? They're not here to to make things. They're, they're there for their own survival and their own betterment, their own success, I guess, whatever. Um, 
<clears throat> they they couch that in terms of we're helping protect the tribes around us, but as you said, that protection comes at a cost, right? And these guys have an agenda for sure. Um, as you know, Liv points out, like you're just a military state, you know, and we, again, we, those are shades of, you know, Europe, uh, in the 20th century that, that we, we know what happens, uh, with the you know, buildup of military states and everything. So, yeah, so I, 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 I was kind of with her a little bit. I mean, granted these guys definitely, seem better than the crows, right? They're, they're certainly a lot nicer. They're not going around killing people so far as we've seen, but uh, I also kind of, I, I understood her distrust as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and the Mike Duncan in me couldn't help but think about the Roman Empire because as she's told, Camp Ehrenberg is the last outpost of the Republic before crow territory. And yeah, I'm thinking like, all right, the, these outposts of the roman empire and and of course the germanic tribes causing them you know a, a lot of trouble and and you know, certainly played a large role in the fall of the roman empire so you know there is that of the and, western roman empire right 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 and so again she also learns about the crows and and there's a certain level Maybe respect isn't the right word, but it'd be okay that the military has for the crows. A crow never breaks their word and a crow never lies. And there's something to be said in that. And obviously, we know from a narrative perspective, it's, it's going to play a part in, in Liv's plan to you know, break the prisoner out or get the prisoner out somehow and and get a free ticket inside Braytock. Now, how she's planning to do that, it's like, leave it up to me. I forget her exact words, but she says, I'll figure it out. Yeah. So, you know, how she's going to do that, um, we don't know. But we also know that apparently th- this is old Berlin or is this is this new Berlin or is this new, new Berlin? Uh, <laughs> new, 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 right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Doctor, Doctor Who for you uh, uninitiated out there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, when they show us, it's, I, I doubt that the crows would have been able to build their own city like this. You know, like, I mean, granted, they do have power and industry and things like that, but not to the sky. So I, I'm just, I'm thinking that this is Berlin, the city itself, but, right. you know, now being inhabited by the crows and called uh, Braytock. Because I just, I, I feel like even in 40 years that um, it doesn't seem like the, the capability of completely building a city is um, is available. Right. Now, Liv is pretty convinced she's going to be able to develop a relationship with uh, the Crow prisoner. And on the one hand, the Crimson are really indebted to her, as David lets her know, that we've never been able to take a Crow prisoner alive, which seems kind of hard to believe, but all right, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll believe you at that. So, you know, she, she does have that, you know, at, at her uh, disposal and you know, as a card to play. But that conversation she has with the prisoner as as the two of them are kind of feeling each other out. And I don't know about you, but I thought for a second 
she was going to go inside the cage. And I'm like, okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. And that would have been pretty stupid. But yeah. why did you slaughter my village? One man with very valuable technology. And certainly we get that. But what is it about the cube? Is it the information? Is it simply the components that it's made of that, you know, that they'll be able to, you know, extricate them? And, and again, if there's not the capability of production of technology, why would anybody care about the Atlantean cube? You know, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, well, except for, well, yeah, we just don't know what the, the cube can do, but whatever it can do, it seems to be pretty, I mean, people are willing to go to pretty significant steps to acquire it. So it seems like, you know, what it can do can can tip the scales in this balance of power, I guess, in Europe and could, which whoever, you know, had access to this cube would be able to, you know, I, I guess take over all of the tribes of, of Europa. Yeah, I guess, but you know, it's like I guess what I'm getting at is it's like okay, fine. If I've got this high-powered computer system, and okay, I open it up, it's like okay, now I've got the you know these chips. I've got to be able to do something with the chips. Just having the chip in and of itself. Now, like you said, what can the cube do? I mean, to this point, it, 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 we're just kind of led to believe it's a messaging system, but obviously it's got to be much more than that. Sure. So I guess we, we just wait to, to find out. Well, also, um, you know, it, it, it ties into what is this place, Atlantia or what? I don't know if you've ever heard. They say Atlantean, so I don't know what the name of the place is. Is it Atlantis? Is it Atlantia? You know, whatever. You know, I mean, here's a place that obviously is – technology way beyond well not way beyond but certainly beyond what we have available to us here today and way beyond what the the people in the the other tribes in this series have so there, there's that there's that place how do they fit into this whole story scenario and honestly how on earth do they get shot down and if the cubes are so important I don't know, it just seemed didn't seem like it was that difficult to like shoot down the the plane. So, you know, are the Atlanteans being a little little free, careless? Careless, yeah, that's the word. Uh, with with this technology, right? That uh, they clearly don't want to be in the hands of groups like the Crows. Yet they're still flying around where they can get shot down and, and everything like that. Um, so why are they why are they flying around like that if they really don't want you know, the other tribes to have access to their tech, you know, why are they still, you know, why, why was that, that ship where it was, right. when it was. Right. Exactly. Because we, we get the idea that this pilot is taking a message from point A to point B, which then leads us to believe that wireless communication systems or even wired communication systems must be problematic Otherwise, why not just pick up the phone or whatever and, and make the call with the, and deliver the message? But like you said, are you not aware of what kind of weaponry the crows have? You couldn't have flown higher to avoid, you know, the gunfire or yeah, whatever, because we right. don't we don't get the idea that the crows have surface to air missiles, for instance, at least that we've seen so far. 
Yeah, so. but I mean, they must. I mean, we can't. We can't. I don't. They're not going to try and have us believe that yeah, someone shot really. a ship down with a freaking gun. Like, come well, on. they showed the bullet holes in the in yeah, the craft. That's true too. Yeah. So, point. Uh, so I don't know, but uh, but we get some great visuals also. You know, David and Liv are are looking down uh, from that tower, and she points out it's the first time she's ever seen the forest from this viewpoint, which which is interesting. This is where she lays out basically the, the the basics of her plan that the crow thinks I can get her out, and now she's got to sell her plan to David. And, and and again, Liv is smart. She's like, look, we both want the same thing. You want to get into uh, the the crow compound just as well as I do, albeit for different reasons. So there's really no reason not to help her. I mean, they they show her the map and and. You know, it, it does look fairly daunting, but as as she's told, the only way to get in is either as, you know, a crow or a slave. So, you know, Liv, again, might be a little naive thinking that she can trade the crow prisoner, however high ranking she may be, for all of those slaves. That just doesn't seem like a deal the crows are going to be willing to make. I would think they'll just say, kill her, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, that, that, the slaves back. that's definitely the point where her, her plan seems to break down a little bit. I'm kind of, okay, well, all right, yeah, you get the crimson to, to let you go because this lady's going to show you how you can sneak into Berlin or break talk, I guess I should call it. Then at that point, your plan is to trade her for a bunch of, like, okay, I, I feel like that's going to require, like, level of interaction with the, the crow hierarchy, that's probably not going to be great for you. Whereas if the plan was just like sneak in and then try and get her brother and father out by stealthy devices, then okay, that I could maybe understand a little bit better. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and then, and then we get that final shot where, where Liv's looking down from a tower and, and Fred mentions the music that's playing and, and gives a few snippets of it in his feedback. And it's really a powerful visual and the music in in conjunction with it and i'm thinking the whole time it's like i know this song they used it in in an episode of lucifer in much the same way over visual images of of really powerful sequences that played a great role in that episode yeah we mentioned keanu and his father taken prisoner by the crows and and that opening scene where they're led through the street and we hear the term volnik's and I think even one of the crows lets us know no, that's just our word for slaves. And, and they make no bones about reinforcing the idea that you are slaves. Mm-hmm. And that's that. But but like you mentioned, the buildings, and, and, and I think you're absolutely correct, that this is the Berlin that we know just 75 years later. We see broken windows, broken buildings, moss growing on the sides of a lot of them. But they get to the inside of the compound, and, and and Keanu's father is recognized as the tribal leader taken to the Capitan, although we don't you know, see that meeting. I assume we'll get to that later. But then they're all put on a bus, driven away. We see him given that uniform, and you made the, the connection to the Holocaust, which uh, I think is certainly unmistakable. But that, that line, you will produce what we consume – so what the heck is Wolk, W-O-L-K? Food of some yeah. sort, I guess, at this point. 
yeah, I, produce what we consume. Yeah, I, so. yeah. Well, you know, like Fred, you know, says it could either be like, you know, food or or potentially the drugs that they use. But I mean, they or beer or or beer, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we is, are in Germany. It is Germany sake, for so. crying out loud? Yeah. So, yeah. so, but I mean, I, I or, or is it like power, energy? You know, like. Um, the, you know, that's, that's kind of vague, like what we consume there, there, that could mean a lot of different things basically. So, but, but yeah, yeah, I mean, like Fred raises the point that, I mean, because the, the, they work with this gas that's poisonous that kills you in three months. Um, so what could they be producing with that? Well, I mean, he says maybe the drugs, I would maybe tend to go with some kind of energy source or power then. Oh, Okay. And then, of course, Elia is on the run with Moses. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago a character that we all know and love. And, of course, that's uh, Oliver Masucci from Dark playing Moses and <laughs> just the complete opposite yeah. of his character. Yeah. In but, Dark. but, you know, like the, he is he, he he does a lot of comedy, though. Like, I mean, obviously not in Dark, not even. A little bit. Uh, his Ulrich, his character Ulrich in, in Dark is not funny, even a little bit. But Oliver Masucci has played other uh, funny. Like I can't remember the, the name of the movie, but he's like plays like like Hitler finds himself in the modern world, and like he's kind of going around. And I watched like the first half hour. He's, I mean, he's a very very gifted comic actor, as we see here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've talked about the language and when they first meet, he speaks English to him and then he asks Elia if he's German. And once Elia nods, then he starts speaking German. But but again, the, the, the back and forth between German and English, again, I you know Fred's going to get mad that I brought it up again. <laughs> no, I know he's not. But it just it, it's amazing to me in a good way that this kind of dialogue and, and language usage is common in Europe, apparently. So, uh, well, well, yeah, well, especially in, in this Europe, we see whenever you, you, two people who are unfamiliar with one another meet, they defer to English uh, right. right away. Um, so, again, we had talked about this last week. What does that mean? Does that, does that mean, well, obviously, it means that the, the, even though the distances between like the where the origines are and the crimson <clears throat> and the crows, it's not like super long distances, but yet there must be enough isolation between the tribes that either A, as we talked about, maybe just, you know, migration occurring and people from different countries from Europe, as we know, migrating to different places or that over the last, you know, 40 some years that uh, these tribes in their isolation have developed different dialects and languages that, that now even like, like, you know, what would have at one time been standard German might be very different from one tribe to the next. They might speak different dialects of it that requires people to still speak in English. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes beyond what we like in, in Ragnarok where they would, you know, just say like a word or a phrase in English where now we, we see that, you know, the use of English is, it, you know, is almost, 
defines r- relationships between two different people or tribes. Well, well, the one that I found fascinating, I, I believe it was when Liv was being led around by the corporal, the guy with the white eye makeup on, and they were going back and forth. They would have a sentence in German and then a sentence in English, and again, I just find that fascinating. But yeah. the other thing I find fascinating is when Elias shows Moses the cube and he recognizes it, holy fucking Mary, <laughs> and recognizes, it, as he says, a real Atlantean cube, which then leads us to think that, well, he's clearly seen a real Atlantean cube before. Yeah. Otherwise, how would he know, A, what it is, and B, that it's legitimate? So, you know, whether he can repair it, well, as he says at the toward the end of the episode, uh, I can't repair it, but... I know someone who can, and of course, that's the journey on on which he and Elia are now on. Yeah, but as we said, repair what? Is it broken? Like, did I miss something? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like- yeah exactly, exactly. Um, but but talking about getting the you know throwing English in, just however, Moses does miss a golden opportunity that Lone Crow attacks Elia is about to kill him. Moses shoots the guy and then pulls up and he had the perfect opportunity. Come with me. If you want to live, he, he says it, he says, basically, if you want to live, you should get in, but yeah. he did, he did. Yeah. But he did it in German, right? Because we, we know that. So it was a perfect time to, to use that, yeah. <laughs> that line, but yeah, whatever. Well, I still was a nice, well, I, a nice like nod to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also they, um, they had, the music there was very Terminator esque music. Yes, there, like the boom, you know, the big bass uh, note and everything that, um, you know, and, and as they uh, drive out, as they, you know, and everything. Um, so, but so yeah, you're right that, that they did miss a point to to say that exactly in English like they do say in all the Terminator movies. Good point. Yeah. But you know, as Liv is is trying to develop trust, not only with the Crimsons and and David in particular, but but also the prisoner that that's key to her plan. You know, that's kind of what Elia's got going on with Moses. I mean, Moses steals the cube, and why he turns around, I guess we're to believe that Moses really is a good guy after all, and he couldn't with a good conscience leave the kid behind and stealing so you know he does come back i mean it's not normal for me to steal he says and and you know offers to get it repaired we'll split the profit 50 50 nope all right get out (laughs) (laughs) i love it and then just that line let our journey begin and we will see how long their journey lasts but but clearly he's got some great driving music going uh, (laughs) as they head down the dirt road and you know a really good episode i was okay with it being 38 minutes they got a lot of information in but only four episodes to go and a you know miles yeah. to go before we sleep so yeah <laughs> uh, right, well and also else? like i mean like moses is just like obviously immediately like gotta be a fan favorite character you know like um you know right away my favorite character in the story um, you know, not a hundred percent good, not a hundred percent bad. You know, he, he has an untrustworthy side to him, 
but also it seems like has basically is a decent person. So, uh, um, and Oliver Masucci, you know, that's just, that's all we got to say about that, you know? All right. Anything else? I don't think so. Um, well, you know, we just, we get a little bit more, you know, I, I was, I guess, okay with like the conversation between Liv and, and the soldier where basically we find out the geopolitical situation all around them and everything. You know, I, I've, I've said many times, I, so I'd prefer those things to be done visually. In a voiceover. Right. <laughs> but at least it didn't, wasn't a voiceover. It was just barely above it when you have like this kind of unrealistic conversation that's just meant to get, you know, the, the viewer information and everything. But I, I guess I was okay with that. But and again, we see that there are these these tribes. And, and, uh, and actually, as um, Moses says to uh, – to Elia, the same thing. You go that way, you're going to run this tribe. You go this way, you're going to run this tribe. You know, like, oh, be careful to avoid this place. Um, so we just see that, that you know, you, a, a couple miles distance in any direction is going to lead you to a vastly different place than where you are right now. Anything else? I think that's about it. Okay. Oh, well, just all at right, the well, end with all of them looking at their tattoo. I thought it was kind of a nice little shot at the end where they show yeah absolutely Elia and, and with, keanu and live all looking at their their originis tattoo yep with that music playing yeah so all right well, let's hear what fred's got for us and we'll be right back hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for tribes of europa season one episode two Coming back to last week's podcast, Wayne was talking about that he thought that it was strange that Elia knew something about the technology which was before or after Black December and that he recognized that the plane with which the Atlantean pilot crashed in the forest of the Origines. As Dave, I have the impression that they do have access to some kind of information. And especially Elia, because he is kind of obsessed what happened Black December. If you see all his clippings on this concrete wall, it's all about what happened then. And this is actually also one of the first thing he asks the Atlantean pilot. Do you know what happened Black December? And then the pilot says, if you help me, you will know the answers. So a kid with this obsession probably does know some stuff. Second theme I want to discuss is the world building, and this is actually feedback that is coming from my wife. You were very enthusiastic about world building, but she started to ask all kinds of questions in the sense of that if this society is divided into tribes, how is the big production of stuff like petrol, clothes, etc., etc., handled if there is not a central government that takes care of these main productions, steel, etc. Of course, they can use all kinds of stored goods. But for instance, my wife looked up how long you can store and keep petrol slash gas good. And that's actually only a few months, especially when it's also exposed to air. And we are talking about 40, 45 years after Black December. You also had some questions about the music at the adult initiation ceremony in the forest of Elia. 
my wife was also discussing that. And I just said they have windmills or they have solar panels or whatever. And one of the answers I also gave, because there was some comment about jeans they were wearing or whatever, the origines. I said, well, if the if 90% of the population dies, then the stocks of goods will be very, very big. And you probably can have new goods for 40, 40 years or 100 years, whatever. Although, in this second episode, it's told that there are kind of factories. These crows have so-called walk factories, whatever that may be, and that is where they put the slaves in to work. So some kind of industry is obviously functioning. But we only see that in the second episode, we didn't know that in the first episode. It's said to the slaves that they produce what the crows consume, So it seems to be a kind of food or drugs. We see that they use a kind of inhalator when they attack the Origines village just before battle. I think it's probably drugs because why would food production be so toxic that if you work in the production process of that, that you will die within three, four months as uh, Greta tells, Greta is the crow, the captured crow, to live. The Crimson Camp is called Camp Arenberg, and I looked it up. It is a very small village, somewhere halfway between Frankfurt and Hanover, smack in the middle of Germany. This would have been hundreds of miles from Berlin, but it was also said that it was called Camp Arenberg after the name of a person called Arenberg and not the village of Arenberg. And otherwise they could not have walked to Berlin. On the other hand, Bratok, is that a new name for the old Berlin, or is that a kind of new Berlin at another location? If it's really the name for Berlin, then we know they are in a kind of Eastern Germany area. We don't have to worry about relocations, because this series is filmed in Croatia anyhow. (laughs) It's not completely clear if this Northern Alliance is the same as the Atlanteers, Uh, Moses talks about it. Oh, I really love this guy, Moses, as a figure. He says to Elia he should trust him, but his face is all over not trustworthy. I think Oliver Masucci plays him very well. And this little moustache doesn't make it any better in the sense of trustworthiness. Out like a flare gun, drifting on an empty sea. What the Crimsons do is very wise in the sense of offering protection for goods and in this way get a kind of alliance as well. The end song, Can You Hear Me by Unsecret, reminds me very much of the type of music used in Dark. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Till next week, Fred from the Netherlands. Obviously, we already talked about a lot of what Fred had in his feedback, but he does mention that inhaler we see the crows use before going into battle. I'm assuming it's some sort of amphetamine-like drug that just 
you know, gears them up even more for the coming battle. Other than that, nothing else makes sense. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any issue with air quality or anything like that. So definitely, definitely the upper <laughs> that, uh, yeah. of that. So, yeah. And then he also mentions that we don't really have a good handle yet on the alliances among and between the tribes. So, you know, will we learn that as we go along? You know, maybe, I mean, obviously we do learn that the Crimson's are a military unit. I mean, certainly they, they provide a military state, but it goes back to that earlier question. Um, are you willing to uh, acknowledge the benefits of a military state versus the chaos that reigned for 17 years after Black December? And, you know, obviously it's a it's an important question that, that they're going to have to ask. So Sure. Anyway. Um, anything else about Fred's feedback? No, I mean, we talked about, as you said, we talked about a lot during the, uh, discussion. Okay. So, okay. Uh, Fred, thank you. Uh, what do you want to go with a grade here? I'm mean, somewhere in the B plus a minus area. I don't know if I'm in the a range yet. I think maybe still B plus. I, I can't even okay. explain why. I don't no, know. I understand. No, I, I mean, I'm thinking B plus as well. I mean, I understand with the, uh, the slave scenes with Keanu and his father, they're being taken to Braytock. I mean, you know, I get they're trying to show the, the dismal, you know, overtones that, that, that come along with this, but I don't know. And 38 minutes, they just decide to focus on Liv's story and Elia's story. And I assume next week we're going to focus more on Keanu. So I guess we'll just leave it at that. So, yeah, I'm good with a B plus. Absolutely. Cool. So, all right. Unless you have any final thoughts, we can go ahead and sign off yeah, here. No, I'm good, I think. Okay. Well, that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Tribes of Europa, anything else going on in genre TV. If you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, get on it sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us we'll be back next week to talk about chapter three of the german netflix post-apocalyptic tale tribes of europa but until then here dave this is my young friend it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship <laughs>